Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by our newest patron, Erin R. Erin is now enjoying all of the great perks of being a part of the Rural Woman Podcast gang that includes access to the patron-only feed, exclusive promo codes to shop Wild Rose Farmer, patron gang status over on wildrosefarmer.com, plus ad-free listening on Patreon. You can join Erin and the rest of the patron gang in supporting the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman Podcast starting at $2 a month. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Like I mentioned in last week's show, the month of January can find people with all types of new drive and motivation and inspiration to try new things on their farm, ranch, or homestead or building their business, or physical fitness, any of the things. January is a fresh new start. And after the year 2020, I think a lot of people need a fresh new start. (laughs) So on this week's episode, you are going to hear from one inspirational lady. Bridget Jones is a wife, mom, farmer, entrepreneur, a creative community builder, and a plant nerd. As the founder of Wildberry Farm and Market and the creative behind Wildberry Branding and Design, Bridget puts her heart into her local community. Her passion is building up the local small business community. Through her farming knowledge and her love for small business, specifically women-owned small business, Bridget's passion is building up the local small business community. By utilizing her skills and her knowledge as well as her resources, Her heart is to build the local creative and farming community. I cannot wait for you guys to hear all of the cool things that Bridget and her family are doing on Wildberry Farm and Market. They started this new venture in 2019, heading into 2020. And as all of you guys know, anything that was to do with in-person in 2020 was definitely something to navigate around. So I'm excited for you guys to hear what they were doing on their farm and how maybe you guys could do something similar on your farms. But before we get to that, let's go over the review of the week. This week's review comes from Rats71 via Apple Podcast. This five-star rating and review is titled, Thank You. Thank you for what you do. You are a great interviewer and hearing others' stories is a huge encouragement. Well, thank you so much for your encouraging rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And my friends, I encourage you to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the show. This helps other like-minded people like yourselves find the show and we can build a bigger community around sharing the stories of women in agriculture. That's the point of the show. We're sharing the incredible stories of women in agriculture. And let's keep doing it. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with Bridget. Hi, Bridget. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I am excited to get to know you a bit better and to be able to share your story with my audience. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And really, the pleasure is all mine. I've been following you for a while now. So this is a real treat. Oh, it's so good. And I love just being able to connect over the phone with somebody. It's so I feel much more personal than doing it via Instagram, even though we all make great friends over on the gram, but it's always nice to hear somebody's voice and converse back and forth this way. Agreed. It's it's the human connection that we kind of miss on social media. And this is just a really great way, like you said, for us to connect. So I'm really, really happy to dig in. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and how you got your start in agriculture. Awesome. Cool. Well, my name is Bridget Jones, and I live in Crownsville, Maryland, about uh, 20 minutes outside of Annapolis. We're real close to Annapolis, but we're kind of sandwiched in between Baltimore and D.C. for those of you that aren't familiar with, you know, Maryland geography. So that would be Maryland in the United States. And I actually married a farmer. So I did not grow up on a farm. I married into the family and they have been on this farm for my husband's the fourth generation. And we have him and his siblings. They have children. Uh, We have two. And then I have nieces on the farm as well. So they will be the fifth generation. And our farm was more of an industrial farm. We were doing tobacco back in the, you know, 50s and 60s. And then by the 80s, it was mostly, our fields were mostly growing like corn and soybeans and the like. And we also grew produce for some of the local grocers in the area. And we recently kind of took things over a little bit. Our farm is about 80 acres now. Back when we were an industrial farm, it was about 300 acres. So you can see the change were a little bit smaller, a lot of it smaller, I should say. And more of a family kind of I kind of call it a homestead. I know 80 acres sounds a lot to somebody that doesn't have a farm, but in farm terms, that's a little smaller. So we started Wildberry Farm and Market about a year ago now in 2019. And this is a way for us to kind of diversify our farming operations, bring us into the, you know, just to the modern world and um, offer a little bit more on our farm than just uh, standard farming practices. Very cool. And I am so excited to break into the Wildberry Farm and Market portion of your story because I just think what you're doing is so neat. I want to kind of backtrack though. And this is a question I I feel like I can ask because I am a woman who also married into a multi-generational farm. And I don't know if this was your experience or not, but I feel like a lot of farmers through the generations, just continue on the cycle of, well, that's what my granddad did, or that's what my dad did. So this is what we're doing now. How was this different for you guys in your operation and your piece of this land to open it up to a community and to make Wildberry Farm and Market a place where the community could come? Was this something that your husband and his family ever thought of doing beforehand? Or was this the bright, wonderful idea of the wonderful woman who married into this farm? (laughs) Oh, man, you make me sound so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, um, so it's really interesting. My husband's grandfather on his dad's side, so this is the paternal lineage of the farm. He was the last to, I call it classically farm, the, the fields that we have left on the farm here. And my father-in-law, 
obviously farmed. My husband farmed on a on an industrial scale when he was younger. And by the time that my husband's grandfather passed, my father-in-law, it, we live in a very metropolitan area and the times were kind of changing. And my father-in-law was realizing very quickly selling produce and doing some of this uh, larger scale farming that it was not economically stable as a career choice in our area anymore, which was very hard and sad for him because that's what he had known. He ended up going into the Carpenters Union and he's now a general contractor and all of his siblings are either tradesmen or, you know, tradeswomen living on the farm, but working off of the farm. And we actually had a farmer that was Matt's grandfather's good friend farming our fields. He's a neighboring farm for probably about 15 to 20-ish years. So they were doing soybeans and corn, the same things that Matt's grandfather, when he stopped, this family picked up. And it did two things. It kept our land agricultural, which is great for tax purposes. And it also kept our fields, you know, healthy and active. Fast forward, my husband and I met actually, I guess it'll be 11 years this month ago. And when I moved up here, my husband does yacht restoration. So obviously he worked off of the farm for his career as well. So you can kind of see where the tradesman era kind of came in. And he, on the weekends, I called our weekend job, takes care of the farm. And so all the mowing, if any trees are down, you know, mending fences, all those types of things were up to really my husband at this point, because he's kind of the next man coming up in the family. And the uh, farmer down the road was keeping us farmed. Unfortunately, he passed away about, I guess it's been a year now. And when he passed, we were all kind of sweating bullets, really. We didn't know what we were going to do. And we have this huge undertaking of a farm, but the family, you know, we still have the equipment and everything, but we were not the ones classically farming. And I kind of came to the family and said, you know, I'm, we're a very spiritual family. I've been praying about this. Like, I just really feel like this is the path that we're supposed to go. I was at a crossroads in my career path. Our youngest just gone to kindergarten. I had been teaching preschool and I had recently left my teaching job. And I just was like, I really just feel like this is what we're supposed to do for the next generation to keep. We want to keep the land that we have remaining intact. And my husband's family was just really, really supportive. We're all really close. We get together once a week for dinner And, you know, they were all very supportive. It's really funny that father-in-law yesterday, actually, when we were, we were chatting outside and he was like, you know, it's taken me a while to really understand what this agritourism thing is because, you know, his dad didn't do this. He didn't do this. He's like, but I'm really glad that you mentioned it because it's been a really great thing up here. I love people. We all love people. And it's been really cool to see, you know, people enjoying Uh, the farm and being able to come out. And, you know, unfortunately we're dealing with this pandemic, but the coolest part about it is that it's outside, it's open air, it's an open air market. And we have open air workshops and, you know, people were able to actually come out to the farm and enjoy a morning outside and in a safe way, you know, shop, boost the local economy. And it's really I mean, I hate to say it because of the circumstances, but it's it's been really, really cool to see it evolve, especially under the circumstances that we're living right now. Absolutely. And I like that this was an idea that your family 
took to and ran with because like you said, the conventional way of farming for you guys was no longer working and to be able to pivot and do something maybe a little bit out of the box for your area is just such a neat thing and the process of you guys building this up and such a quick turnaround like that is that's very inspirational I'm sure to a lot of people. You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. So tell us more about Wildberry Farm and Market. What are you guys doing on your farm now? Well, we have a few different avenues, I guess I should call them. It kind of started off with, I have a lot of friends in the creative scene in Annapolis. And I know a lot of photographers. So the first thing that we talked to was a few uh, photographer friends and we were like, Hey, would you ever like be interested in renting the farm? We have a couple fields, you know, that would be great for photography. And uh, if you want to come check it out, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And they did, and they were really into it. And um, so we started off offering it up to photographers to rent you know, just certain areas of the farm for photography. Uh, And then I kind of had this, you know, idea that I would sell our eggs and our produce at a roadside stand. And, you know, you have these ideas and then it's like, they, sometimes they just go to a place you didn't expect it to, which is the coolest part about the farm for me. You know, here I thought I was going to just be sitting by the side of the road with my trailer full of produce and eggs and Instead, it turned into, we pushed back our our market opening weekend and it was uh, pushed back from March to June. And I just said to a few friends um, in the wedding industry in the area, why don't you just come out? There's no weddings right now. You know, just come out for free. We're not going to charge you. It'll just be a fun morning and, you know, we'll just sell our stuff, you know, together. And it turned into vendors asking to come back. So I was kind of like, okay, I hadn't really thought about that. So let me figure that out. And it's grown from, I think we had eight of us the first weekend to closing out the season in November with 30 vendors in our front field. And it was really neat because, you know, we do all grassroots small businesses. We're not, we don't accept MLMs or direct sales because we want it to be all handmade, you know, small owned businesses that are from our local economy. And so we have, we had a really cool flower truck this year. It's called Sweet Annie's Flower Truck and it's like a vintage Chevy and she sells flowers out of it. We had a really cool bar up here that was like a camper bar and she did like drinks and stuff. We've had people that make handmade bath bombs. Just there's so many different types of crafters and creators and makers, woodworkers and and the like. And people just would like, they just kept coming. And the coolest part about it for us was 
and again, this was our heart behind it, was how many people thanked us and said that this is what the community needed. And I think that what we're realizing and the blessing that's coming out of this this whole pandemic is that we're realizing, you know, these grassroots small businesses, local economy and farming ties so deeply into that. That's what we need moving forward. We need to focus more on that. Even my dad was like, I kind of feel guilty buying things from Amazon now after your guys' markets. And I was like, yeah, I do too, actually. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of this really cool ripple effect. Totally. And I think that, you know, there wasn't a lot of great things, I think, that came out of 2020. But that is one thing that I think worldwide people realized was the benefits of supporting small local businesses in their area and supporting agriculture in their area. Because, you know, in my lifetime, going to a grocery store and the shelves being empty, that was traumatizing for a lot of people. And to not have the essentials that you needed in your home through a local grocery store or a big chain grocery store. Like I think that was a big wake up call for a lot of people to see that the food system is quote unquote broken and being able to find people that are local to you that are raising animals and to raise produce that are available to you. I think this is a trend that we are going to continue to see grow bigger and bigger. I would definitely agree with that. And uh, I think that that out of something, I always try to see the positives and the blessings that come out of hardships and trials. And I, as hard as 2020 was, and as just unprecedented, I mean, like you, like you mentioned in our generation, we've never seen anything like this and it was scary and it continues to be scary, but we're really realizing how important local shopping, local buying, local produce, local, you know, farms are so important to the economy. One of the analogies that I that I like to use is when you're buying something from a small business, you're buying a ballet lesson or a soccer season or, you know, food for a family's table. If you're buying from a larger corporation, we don't really know where our money is going. And you really have power with your dollar. And if you have the choice and it's accessible, like the market has made it, even for myself, I think that it's really, really cool to see how life-changing it can be, even in the midst of a global pandemic, that we can all come together. And it's, you know, it's really just been a huge blessing for us to be able to witness that on the farm, that, that we had some small part in uh, touching so many lives. That's really the, the biggest takeaway for me after this season. For sure. So 2020 was a tricky one when it came to in-person events. And I would say, particularly if you're starting a business like you did back in 2019 and just kind of getting off of the ground running, tell us how you guys navigated COVID restrictions in your area. Did you guys have to change any events? Let us know what that looked like for you. A lot of sleepless nights. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) I didn't really sleep much in 2020. I uh, was very nervous, not only because it was a small business starting out, but also because a lot of people were relying on our markets to sell their goods in person. Thankfully, we have the internet now, but there's nothing like person, you know, human contact and in-person sales. 
the the biggest benefit of the the market and how we do it is we're working with about five acres. So right now we are keeping one of our fields mowed for the market and right by our road where our farm is. And we are able to put 10 feet in between vendor tents. We are able to spread people out. When you're working with a piece of land this size, which this field is, you really have a lot of options. So that was really working in our favor. Also, the fact that it was an open air market and it was during the warmer months. When things started to get cooler here and the season started to change, the anxiety came back a lot. And, you know, thankfully we were able to scoot in right under like everything kind of changing with our vintage Christmas market. It was literally the weekend before new restrictions went into effect. We had kept our vendors at 20. We had 10 plus feet of space in between vendors with space for people to line up with six feet in between them. And the way that we set up our field, you know, we're not, we're not putting tables out. We're not encouraging people to necessarily hang out. Part of our restrictions were no loitering just because we wanted to keep the numbers down at the market, but it was extremely thought out. We would spend time, my husband's background is in graphic design, his schooling. And so he's able to like draw me maps to scale and everything, which is great on Illustrator. So we would just sit there and be like, all right, if we configured it this way, we would have this much space in between people. If we did it this way and just keeping people moving, having hand sanitizer, masks enforced, um, it really ended up working out very well. And I have to say it was probably because it was open air. That was really the biggest factor. Well, if you guys have the space and the open air, that's what people were looking for in 2020, I think, especially in the like the big populated areas like Baltimore and everything. I'm sure people were looking for any excuse to get out of their homes. Yes. The coolest part about where we're situated is we're actually very near a very desirable area for families, like younger families to live. There's a lot of neighborhoods around us. So we're very close to Crofton, Maryland. And Crofton is, it's it's very interesting because we're very close to Fort Meade. So we have a lot of transient families just with military or government workers. And a lot of them live in townhomes and condos. And so the coolest part about it is that, you know, people are bringing their kids and able to walk around, do a little bit of shopping, you know, maybe get, you know, if we have a coffee truck, get a coffee and a breakfast sandwich and, you know, eat it and then walk around. And it's something for kids to do. A lot of teachers from the preschool that I taught out would come with their kids, saw a lot of former students. And it was just really neat. It was also a way for my kids to see their teachers. We're still in virtual schooling right now. And I have a first grader and a sixth grader. And my some of my sixth graders teachers came from middle school. And then my first graders teacher was able to come and they hadn't met them in person before. And so it was a really great way for not only families to get out of their house, but our family benefited a little bit too, because we got to see, you know, some of these, we got to make a connection with some of the teachers or, you know, some of my former students or even former teachers of my children's that, that they had had already were able to come out and see everybody. So it was, it almost kind of turned into a really safe socializing type of situation as well, which was really heartwarming. That's so wonderful. And building those connections with the people in your local community 
when you're a part of agriculture, I feel is just such an important aspect because we live such isolated lives sometimes. Like when people were talking about the restrictions and how it was changing their life, my husband and I kind of sat back and looked and we're like, well, this is kind of how we live our life. Like <laughs> in the winter, we're able to get out and socialize. But once spring hits, like we're nose to the ground and we don't see anyone for eight months. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I'm a December baby. So my birthday kind of hits right after everything wraps up. And I finally was able to like take a breath and safely go get a meal with one of my friends and who's, you know, quarantining very similar to us. And, you know, just, you've got to find those people that you can, you know, safely be around. And that's kind of living a lifestyle that's similar to yours. And I was, I, she was like, we haven't seen each other in like a year. And I was like, yeah, that's because farm life. Like, (laughs) I can't go, I can't do anything. I'm so tired by the end of the day. And, um, it was just really great to be able to, to do that with her. But yeah, I can totally relate to that. So, looking to the future now, let's get past COVID and all of the restrictions and all of the things. What are your future plans and goals for Wildberry Farm and Market? Well, I have a lot of things that I, I have a lot of dreams. I am obsessed with chickens. I have a flock of chickens and I love the idea of rainbow eggs. I think it's really fun. And a lot of people, you know, that buy eggs at the grocery store don't realize the range of colors of farm fresh eggs and how different they can all be. So I am in my immediate, one of my immediate goals is adding more chickens to my flock that, you know, to increase my rainbow egg. I need some copper morans and and that sort of thing for those deep, deep browns. And then my, our six-year-old really wants goats. So that's another more immediate goal. But as far as, you know, the farm overall, I, eventually would love to become a wholesale flower farm. We switched our agriculture over to um, flowers when we started Wildberry. And that's one of the bigger dreams is I would love to eventually wholesale flowers to local businesses. We really want to expand the workshops that we offer. There was a lot of things that I wanted to do and obviously couldn't. And it's one of those things that I think it would be so cool to have like a farm to table series where, you know, you buy tickets, you come up to, for an intimate dinner on the farm outside and your meal is either 100% grown here at Wildberry or if we are supplementing anything, it's from another local farm. So that is one of the, the bigger goals that I have for this year pending, you know, COVID and and all those things. I really want to add a stylized greenhouse. You know, obviously greenhouses, you think of a greenhouse from a farm standpoint, you don't really think of something like a greenhouse being stylized. But I have this dream for a greenhouse that's made of like repurposed windows and that we could use not only functionally, but also uh, to rent out to our photographers that rent the farm. So, you know, I really, I think all of my dreams kind of center around our family. You know, this is our passion. This is what we love to do, but also the community, which is our close second passion. We love to share what we have with our community around us, because like I mentioned before, it's a very metropolitan area. Not many farms in our immediate county, you know, area are really doing anything with agritourism. And I think that it's 
something that people are kind of itching for, like you mentioned, you know, being in an apartment or a condo or a townhome and being so close together. It's such a different world when you come up here, you know, there's open space and how cool would it be to like sit there and eat your eat your meal and the chickens that, you know, laid the eggs are right next to you in their run, you know? So it's one of those things that all of our dreams, I think, really center around keeping the farm intact and in the family and and here, not developing and opening it up to our community and sharing, you know, what we have, what we know, teaching our community why it's so important for farms to be here. Absolutely. I'm sitting here just like in awe and dreaming of your farm with you. And (laughs) I just think that your dreams and your goals sound amazing for your farm and what you guys are currently doing and what you guys pulled off in the year 2020 is just like bravo to you guys for being able to pivot and do all of those things. And I think it's important to say, like, I sit here from the perspective of being a first-generation farmer marrying into a farm family. I know that there's things that I sit here and think about and that I think is cool and that I think what people are doing in agritourism is so neat that people from multi-generational backgrounds maybe not so much. Like they're thinking, why would you want to sit and have a picnic with a chicken? Like, why would you do that? But you have to think of it as... If you had never been to a farm before and like this is mind blowing to you of how farms work and how people raise animals. And obviously every farm is different and every farm is doing a different thing. But connecting people to where their food comes from, from outside of agriculture, I think is so important. And that's why I think what you guys are doing on your farm is so important to agriculture as a whole. Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, it's funny, I have to agree with you. I feel like our perspectives and our our shared experiences being a first generation married into a multi-generational family. You know, my father-in-law had chickens growing up. His grandfather did large-scale chicken farming on, um, on the farm. And he was like, you've humanized these chickens to the point that people have formed a connection to them online. And I was like, you know, it's really funny because I spend so much time with them. I know how, I know their different personalities. And that's so, you know, for a farmer, that's very normal. You usually have one or two animals in your, in your lifetime that just have those unique personalities and you just love them for it. And, you know, I think that there's something to be said that, you know, there's a connection to these chickens and then you can come by their eggs that they produce here. You know that they're well taken care of. You know that that the eggs are nutritious. You know that we practice safe farming and, you know, it's an organic product. You can literally see it on our social media. And, you know, I think that that's something that a lot of people in this area are really looking for is that human connection between where their food is coming from and eating their food. And, you know, we're, we are passionate about not only knowing where your food is coming from, but also knowing like who is raising your food and what practices are they using when they're raising your food. So I think that that's the coolest part about being so open with social media is that you can really, you're almost invited into into our businesses and you're really seeing firsthand what we are offering you. Absolutely. And like you said, making it an open thing for people to see and to be a part of. They feel connected to you and your family and your chickens and all of the things. And 
like we've mentioned many times, building that connection with the outside egg community is just as important as building the connections inside agriculture. Right. Agreed. You have heard me tell you all about the amazing benefits that come with being a patron of the Roll Woman podcast through Patreon, but I wanted to share with you a few testimonials from the patron gang themselves. Patron Tiffany writes, Being able to support Caitlin telling the stories of amazing women in egg is a great way to support all of us. Without her telling our stories, would we be willing to talk about them ourselves? I love hearing a new podcast on Fridays, plus getting to hear some outtakes and a chance to win some great gear as a patron is definitely a perk. Egg supports egg, and this is just one way I help support agriculture. Join Tiffany in supporting the stories of women in agriculture through the Rural Woman podcast starting at $2 a month on Patreon. Visit wildrosefarmer.com slash Patreon to learn more. So if anyone is sitting here like I am and just getting all of these wonderful ideas from you, Bridget, what is some advice you could give to someone thinking about getting into the agritourism space? So I definitely think that agritourism is such a broad term. There's so many options that fall under agritourism. Some are a little bit more intimate and some are a little bit broad. I think that you really have to look at your farming operation, look at the structure of your family and your the layout of your farm and what you're farming, you know, like the scale of your farming operation and really think about what boundaries you would put in place, number one, as in terms of the agritourism. Like, for instance, we hold all of our public events down in our lower two fields that are closer to the road. And during our public events, we don't allow anybody to come up near the houses, which are further up the driveway. That is a boundary for us because, you know, we don't really want everybody in our community up around our houses. So, you know, you really have to think about you know, what you want to offer in terms of agritourism. You know, there's a farm that is near us that does a lot of field trips for local elementary schools and middle schools and high schools. And I think that that is something that we probably won't ever get into just because that's not really what I want to dip my toe into. I want to have a little bit more control over, you know, my schedule, who's up here when they're up here. Um, So I think that you really have to look at what is going to work best for you. And also talk with your family if it's a multi-generational situation like Caitlin and I have. You know, you really have to be aware of your family's comfort level as well. You know, my mother-in-law doesn't care, (laughs) but, you know, about really much of, she's very laid back. But I have, you know, nieces running around. I don't really want people coming up the driveway all day like that. So, you know, you really just have to think about your personal situation and your farm and, you know, it in where it fits, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Absolutely. And I think building something, like you said, that fits around your family and your lifestyle that you want to have on your farm. Like, for instance, for my husband and I, we are grain farmers. So having livestock year round is something that just simply doesn't work for us because if that was the case, we would literally never leave the farm. And I know there's lots of people that do both of those things. And 
-hmm. if that works for you, that works for you. But by God, I really like to go have a vacation every once in a while and not have to worry about the cows getting out or the goats running amok or whatever while I'm gone. So yeah, setting those boundaries for yourself and for your family are so, so important. Yeah. And I would just like to add, don't forget to dream. You know, not every dream has to come to fruition. Matt and I, my husband, Matt, and I have so many ideas and so many, I mean, we just have lists of like thoughts in our phones, on our laptop that we just write down and we're not going to do all of them, but just don't forget to, you know, some of our best ideas started because of a dream and then worked into whatever it became, such as the market. So dreaming is just a really, don't forget to take time to do that in these off seasons, you know, during the colder months. It it really helps to give you a different perspective of your property and of your farm that you might not think about otherwise when, you know, we're head down during the, the on months and um, during the season and just working and working and not really having time to think, plug in those those times to, to think about, you know, what you would like to see manifest on your farm. Those are perfect words of wisdom that caused me to get a little misty, Bridget. (laughs) Don't forget to dream. That is perfect. Bridget, it has been so wonderful getting to know you better. I have a couple questions left for you, but I'm going to save those for our Patreon exclusive interview. So my final question for you here today is, what is the most rewarding part of being a farmer for you? The most rewarding part for me is, oh man, you're going to make me get misty. I love the fact that my children can grow up around their family, make connections with their aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents that I did not have growing up simply because we didn't live within close proximity to one another. And to see them running around outside without a care in the world or, you know, to see my 12-year-old with his first little tractor, bringing up firewood to the house. Those are the things that warm my heart. I cannot trade any of those experiences for them, for the world. It's hard work. I'm not going to lie. It's very hard work. But when my six-year-old can run over to her grandma's house just to say hi, that is why we're here. That's why we want to keep the farm the farm. It all centers around family. And that includes our family of community that's around us that has really lifted us up this year. That is beautiful. Good job. Great answer. (laughs) I'm sure you're not the only one that's misty around here. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I can be a sentimental fool sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all can, especially when it comes to agriculture. I think we definitely all, for that reason alone, is family. Agreed. Yeah. Bridget, for the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Awesome. They can find me on our website, www.wildberryfarmmarket.com. We are also on Facebook, Wildberry Farm and Market, and we are on Instagram at Wildberry Farm Market and on Pinterest, pinterest.com slash Wildberry Farm Market. I am totally going to follow you on Pinterest because I'm sure you just pinned the best <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, I would like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful chatting with you today. Hey, everyone. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Bridget. I know I sure did, and I took down a lot of notes, and it was so great chatting with her, and I I couldn't stop picking her brain and talking to her about all of the cool things that they are doing on their farm and how they transitioned from a traditional operation into what Wildberry Farm and Market is today. So because I couldn't stop talking to her, she graciously kept chatting with me and we recorded an extended episode over on the Patreon. We chat about the hard lessons learned in the first year of business through a pandemic, as well as how to set boundaries with vendors for you to both have a successful working relationship. And one question I wanted to ask her that was so important to me was what are some words of wisdom and encouragement that you can give when it comes to marrying into a multi-generational farm family similar to what I went through and I know a lot of other women have done the same. So if you guys want to hear this extended episode, it is over on the Patreon at the $10 tier or higher. And those episodes will come directly to your favorite podcasting app. So no need to download other weird apps to get it on your phone. It comes straight to your favorite listening app. So if you want to learn more about how you guys can get the extended episodes, the bonus content, and all of the other exclusive, wonderful bonus things that come with being a member of the Patreon gang, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Thank you all so much for tuning into this week's episode. I will see you all back here next week. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.